Cheers. Cheers. Whoa. <laughs> I'm Envy. I'm Kana. Welcome to Diplomacy Games. And we're back at the Honest to God Bar. That's right, a serious proper bar. I don't know if you saw when you came in. It's a great looking bar. And the name of the bar is Malt. Malt. On Market Street. Market Street, Brisbane, yeah. Yep. Um, sorry, I just, I just had to, I, I can't not bring it up. Your handwriting, Andy, is... I, 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 no wonder it's a struggle to read your orders in the diplomacy game. Oh, that's right. You've actually you've had that experience, <laughs> haven't you? I have had that experience. Okay. Yeah, actually, I, 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 it's funny that you say that now because I never really realised every single time I play face-to-face and people are reading my orders, they seem to have trouble. <laughs> and I just think they're stupid. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's your handwriting. It's my handwriting, yeah. So uh, hopefully the noise isn't too bad. Actually, one thing I've always found which I'm surprised at is... When we're recording, it sounds far worse than it actually is on the tape, generally oh, speaking. Okay, great. So the, it does sort of auto, like, adjust its volume. Yeah, I think it kind um, of does some little, you know, levels and shit in the background. I don't know how it works, but... Um, well... It's only when we kind of, in the earlier episodes, when we kind of fuck up and paused it in one environment where it set its levels and then screwed it up going somewhere else. Ah, uh, okay. Instead of pressing yeah. stop and then resetting the levels effectively, I think. Right, Okay. I don't know. I don't know. Not that I don't know anything. <laughs> Honestly, I'm surprised the quality of the, uh, the, most of the stuff we put out anyway. What are you drinking, Andy? Um, ooh, I think it's called a Hither, Hither and Yon Shiraz from uh, McLaren Vale. Tasty? It's, yeah, it's quite tasty, actually, for a 2018. Okay. What about well, you? I'm, I'm drinking the house lager. It's a malt lager. Oh, uh, it's a malt lager. It's very smooth, um, very tasty. Actually, it's kind of... I, I, I would imagine it. It's like it's, a, it's slipping into Burgundy as a journey. Ooh, nice! Yeah, that is very nice. So, um, is it malty in taste? Yeah, yeah. It's not too malty. It's not like a heavy malt. Because, mm. like, ever since the COVID thing, yeah. I haven't been able to exercise as much as I would like. Has your drinking gone up? Yeah, my drinking has gone up quite considerably. <laughs> Don't tell Mrs. Ambi. Um, no, it's probably, it's probably, yeah, I'd say marginally more, but not, not by much. Right. Um, but I'd say the one thing that has gone up is I'd probably be more inclined to crack open a beer. And I think that's what kind of starts making an impact. Because you remember early in the year... Yeah. I think it's very early in the year I've heard, no, nah, being good, no bell beer, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> got, a, got a bet going on. And then, of course, the code fucked all that up. <laughs> Stuck at home. And what else are you going to do? <laughs> I was doing well up until COVID. I lost like two kilos, lost about four pounds in the US talk. And I put it all back on. Oh, well. There's always, there's always next year. So if, if that <laughs> beer is good as like German slipping into Burgundy... In spring 1901, I'm yeah. tempted. Slipping into Burgundy without a without a follow up plan. Oh, yeah. So not quite that. But still. So it's not like you're also in Holland or the Ruhr. Yeah, you just moved to Burgundy because we're pretty sure France was going to move there, but they didn't. Actually, no. You would have to move because Kiel would have to move, so we'd have to go to Holland. Yes. Yeah. It's not quite as uh, spectacular as it seems. It's still tasty. Anyway. Okay, well, I'll stick with my... You've, you've convinced me to stick with the red. Um, Full disclosure, 
Oh yes. Um, we've got um, an interview that we're going to be. Oh yes, yes. Airing um, as part of this, this episode. Um, when I say going, is we haven't actually had the interview yet. But this just happened to be the only time we could catch up prior to the interview um, to record um, this podcast episode. And, and I have to kind of say thank you very much for your uh, availability because I know you're in a very hectic time of the year. Hectic time. Hectic time. Um, so thank you very much. Much appreciated. It's a pleasure to get. It's a pleasure. Excellent. Thank you very much. Um, so yes, this is one of these. This is. Uh, I don't know. Have we done this before? We've actually recorded before the interview. No, we haven't. We've never done this. So, so, so normally we kind of, Yeah. So normally we kind of have you know the interview. We know what's talked about, and then we intro that interview, and then we outro it and give our thoughts on the interview. Yes. So that won't be quite happening this time around. We'll just be talking about our previous thoughts prior to the interview as the outro. Or we just want to do it now, and then we'll just wrap up the interview quickly, and then just move on. No, no, let's go to the interview and then talk a bit. No, that would just be odd to our listeners. Now let's talk about it now, what we think it's going to be about, and okay. then say it's a great interview because they usually are. That's right. <laughs> and if it's not a great interview, um, folks, just pretend it's a great interview and send <laughs> send your hate mail to Kana four zero six. But no, I, I had a I had a blast watching. Okay, so 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 to, to intro it properly, um, it's Oliver. Oliver Lug, I think. I hope that's the way we pronounce his surname. We'll find out when we interview him. Yep. Um, put together a really interesting um, sort of thirty-seven minute YouTube on the game of diplomacy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I was watching it on the train in. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I was earphones in. And just a couple of times, I just caught myself laughing out loud, like literally laughing in, in, in the train carriage. Um, I thought it, I thought it was humorous. I thought it was well put together. Um, I love how he kind of just describes the mindset, the, the mathematical mindset, and the, the, the human element, and you know the craziness that sort of goes on in between. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to sort of also say, like, it was really cool to see my little animation that I did um, for the 2012 game. I think you're ruining it. How about we just do? How about we just quickly throw the interview, and then we'll talk about these things afterwards. Okay. So here's the interview with with Oliver Lug, um, the creator of probably the current world's best diplomacy video on YouTube. Definitely one of the best. Okay. <laughs> Oliver Lug, thank you very much for joining us here on the uh, Diplomacy Games podcast. Great to have you on. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. Uh, it's quite exciting, really. It's an interesting experience. Well, you, you've kind of just... just uh, I, don't know about, I don't know about what uh, Kano thinks, but um, I was blown away by the quality, the production quality of your YouTube video. And I know that uh, Chris Martin, who's obviously a serial uh, YouTubist, uh, when it comes to the diplomacy space, said, hey, things have just stepped up a level. And I, I've got to totally agree. I mean, anybody who hasn't watched your um, your YouTube video yet uh, and they love diplomacy really needs to do so. Um, but before we kind of do that, can I just kind of maybe take a couple of steps back? You know, what got you into the game? What's your interest in the game? And, and as a result of that, I guess, why did you create the video? Uh, yeah, well, thank you very much for those comments, first of all. Um, they really mean a lot. Uh as for how I got into the game, um, I've always had quite an interest in board games in general. 
I guess Risk is the prime example in comparison to Diplomacy. Uh, and I used to like always play Risk with my grandparents in particular. Like we'd go around the house, play it with my grandparents and my dad. So that's just been going on like most of my life. Uh, as for how I got into Diplomacy, I guess I was just, as I said in the video, I was looking up on Wikipedia, reading about Risk and right at the bottom of the page there was a link to diplomacy that seemed interesting and i clicked that i saw the page and was like ah, this is this looks like an interesting game but why are all the seas divided you can't move units into seas because obviously i was used to the risk model of only being able to move armies around on land uh and then i looked into it more kind of decided i want to play it wanted to play it and got together some of my friends and we had a game uh we had a first first face-to-face -face game uh it went interestingly i guess because we were all very inexperienced and i was really the, the only one who'd looked into the rules and strategy beforehand uh but it was you know a really fun experience quite tiring because face-to-face games do go on for hours on end but i really enjoyed it and we managed to set up some more like over the years since not particularly regularly, but it's something that we do every now and then. And of course, recently, it's with all the lockdown stuff, it's given an opportunity to continue doing it in a, perhaps a more regular manner because people are free more often. Um, so yeah, I guess that's a very brief summary of my history with the game. How did you go on that first game, by the way? The fact that uh, you were the only guy that knew the rules properly. I seem to remember I... Well, I didn't win because we didn't go on long enough for anyone to actually get to 18. But I seem to remember I was the de facto winner by getting the most supply centers. I was Turkey. Uh, and I quite like playing as Turkey. Um, but of course, we were all like kids. We, this was around the age of 13-ish. So we were all messing around more than actually playing properly at the time. I remember there was one guy who... He was, I think he was playing England and he was down to only one unit for most of the game and decided to become a pirate and just travel around the entire board for the rest of the game. <laughs> How did everyone take that? Well, we just took it in our stride. That was just something that was expected to happen. Like There was another guy who always drew like pictures on his orders of uh, boats floating across the English Channel or whatever. Um, so, so, so nobody, we so just nobody, nobody killed them off because they were out of their entertainment value, or yeah, I guess that was it. Also, you know, we would we'd got all gone round a friend's house, and it would have been really mean just to eliminate someone completely and make them sit in the corner for the rest of the time. So. And, and then you kind of continue the game going on in your your, your teenage years, but into college. Yeah, uh, I mean, it kind of went on the back burner a bit for a while uh i played a few face-to-face -face games with my friends different sets of them kind of different variations on the same group of people and then i tried to get into online games online play a little bit but i didn't really i, I can see the appeal of it but i don't think it was really my cup of tea because i, I think i prefer the face-to-face -face aspects and the actual negotiation of people you know a bit better but maybe i just haven't had the right experiences with online play. So I, pl I played a few online games and then a few more face-to-face -face games and it kind of disappeared for a while after that because it was very difficult to get seven people together uh, at one particular time. But obviously it's come back recently uh, as a result of the lockdown and it inspired me to create the video. 
That's that's great. Sorry, I think Kane is about to ask a question. Hey. Oh, oh. Yeah, yeah. I um, and it, it is very hard to get seven players together. It seems to be the perennial problem. Um, can I can I just ask? In your video, you've got um, some people around a table playing a, a game um, at, at several points. There is that um, footage that you found, or are you actually in that um, playing the game yourself? No, that's just uh, footage that I found on YouTube. I think it's actually a video on Chris Martin's channel of um, some people at the WDC. Um, but I, I thought that would be the best kind of example of actual face-to-face play, because well, f- one reason why I couldn't take any footage of my uh, video, footage of my own is that my diplomacy uh, set is actually halfway across the country right now because I had to leave it behind in a house that I left uh, at the start of lockdown. I will hopefully be going back to get it along with the rest of my possessions in a week and a half. But yeah, I can't really take any actual live footage of diplomacy at the moment. So I had to rely on that video I found. Uh, the sacrifices we have to make because of the pandemic, eh? Yeah, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I think I went into those enough in the video. So. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's interesting you mentioned that. Um, when, when, okay, so uh, for, for, for listeners to the podcast, it's a bit of a spoiler alert for what we're going to talk about after the interview. Uh, we were having a bit of a conversation around the fact that your YouTube video talks a lot around uh, mathematics and around mm. the key role of that in, in kind of understanding, you know, potentially how to how to view the board. And, and I was uh, surmising, I guess, that maybe um, there was some small mathematical thread actually running through the video some quite intentionally obviously but when you're talking about that and other times very very surreptitious so uh, i'm not quite sure if you're aware but with that particular shot that you chose you included peter mcnamara who's an australian player who happens to be a a uh, a lecturer or professor in mathematics in one of the universities here in australia so uh, obviously (laughs) more a coincidence than anything um, but 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 you clearly have a bit of a, a mathematical bent. I mean, particularly when when you kind of have that conversation around the nature of the game and how it relates to things like you know, for example, that that game of life, uh, not the board game. Um, what what's your background in mathematics? Do you have a is it just a keen interest or is that a um, is it an actual academic thing or a professional thing? Uh, yeah, well, I'm currently studying mathematics at university. Uh, I'm halfway through my degree right now, but I've been out for a year doing a work placement as a software engineer so i you know i've always had a keen interest in maths i've always been quite quite good at it and i guess i I wouldn't say i see the world through a mathematical lens but i like to think that i can see the mathematical aspects in things and diplomacy is one of those things like the very at the very core level it is quite a pure game of just you can only have only ever have one unit in one region it can only ever do one thing and then it's just adding up a load of as I describe them in the video, axioms to decide what happens uh, as the outcome of, particular, of a particular move. So, so, I mean, when you consider those those axioms and, like, the nature of the board itself, um, how do you see, and I think you've actually touched on this within, within the video, so if, if you want to kind of paraphrase or go through it again, that's fine, but how do you see the fact that it is not just like chess, which is, you know, the certain... Uh, formulaic 
elements which don't necessarily require that that human interaction that you actually get within diplomacy when you're actually working with someone and you're negotiating with them. They're lying to you or you're lying to them or you're both lying to each other. Um, I, I, I guess that's something that's, that's quite different. It's almost like the whole left brain, right brain thing coming together at once. Um, what's your take on that? Well, yeah, I kind of see that as the most interesting part of diplomacy because it's kind of taking this very pure, very tactical kind of paradigm that's very chess-like in its nature and surrounding it with the messiness of human brains and how we think and how we manipulate each other. Because you kind of, you, you, you're thinking of the board and you're thinking of what moves you can make on the board, but at the same time you're trying to get inside people's brains, trying to think of how you could sway them one way or the other. Uh, perhaps, as I say in the video, using some illogical techniques, kind of playing to the cognitive biases we have in our own brains. Uh, whereas I know that sort of thing, you you can do that in chess and things like chess because you are playing against a human, unless you're playing against a computer, of course. But you're playing against the human at the end of the day, and they can be swayed one way or the other. Like in a very casual setting, you could have a conversation with them and perhaps try and convince them of certain things, but. Uh, diplomacy, of course, the fact that there are seven players, it kind of makes it a lot. It, it expands the possibilities a lot more, right? It's it's far more focused on the interactions between the players and the outcome of those than it is on the actual uh, moves that are made. I feel that that makes sense. Um, one thing, one thing that was interesting, I think, with the um, the the way that your video was pulled together, which I really, really enjoyed. So, just context-wise, I, I lived for about a couple, two, two, two and a half years in the UK. Uh, there, there's certain things there which there's clearly a, a British flavour running through it. Um, <laughs> so, whether it's the all. Uh, elements of, of of the conversation or the perennial digging at the Germans, um, a la World Cup from was it nineteen nineteen sixty or whatever like nineteen sixty six. It's, it's impossible to forget that. It's impossible <laughs> to forget that date living here. I'm afraid. Um, what, what what when you were kind of producing the video, what kind of uh, I suppose your own personal elements did you, did you enjoy getting out there in, in its production? Well, the stuff you touch on with the kind of taking digs at other countries and playing up the Britishness, that's, that is all exaggerated, right? Um, I think it, yeah, I, I came up with those exaggerated parts in the script just for the comedic potential. Um, and, you know, it's, I, I, I try to make fun of the Britishness of it as well, just as much. So that was quite fun. Um, but the other personal aspects that I like to include, I feel that the whole video is kind of a, it's, a, it's an exploration of um, my brain in a way in various parts of uh, my interests because I do tend to ramble quite a bit and go off in long tangents. It's not really a video about diplomacy. It's about lots of different things and their ties to diplomacy. So one minute I'm talking about a mathematical paradox and the next minute I'm talking about uh, understanding psychology. And these are all things I have interest in and things that I've done research into in the past. And it's just, I guess you could say I'm kind of trying to crowbar them into a video about diplomacy to make it a bit more coherent. But I feel that it just adds a bit more flavor and color to 
what surrounds it and a bit more personality, hopefully. Oh, you, you definitely achieved that. I, I probably actually disagree with you, though, because I think what you get, it, it's, it's almost like when you think about a Venn diagram, you've got your psychology element that's overlapping, you know, the actual way that the board is constructed and, and you know, the, to be able to read that. And, and what sits in the middle where you've got that intersection is is where diplomacy plays. Um, so... The f- it's interesting you, you talked about script and that makes perfect sense the fact that to produce a 37 minute long YouTube video of the uh, dare I say polished nature that it is presumably <laughs> you actually you had a script there and you took the time to be able to you know uh, work out how this is all going to come together how to kind of you know use particular visuals with your with your scripting elements um, as well as other bits and pieces um, so you talked about before the the fact that the uh, the pandemic i suppose gave you that opportunity to um uh, go into that creative bent and, and and do that so from our perspective as as an actual viewer of your video of full 37 minutes how much of your time was actually required to to pull all that together uh i think you it's less than people would expect um i've I looked back at the document uh, that I have the script for and when it was created and the start date of it was the 29th of April and the video came out uh, the 12th of June. So it was you know, about a month and a half in total from start to finish. Uh, and obviously I wasn't working on that full time because I had a job uh, most of the time. And I'm also a serial procrastinator, so I just put it off even when I had the time for it. But... I, yeah, I did. There was one time where I just I had a week off uh, work, a week's holiday, and I just sat down and decided, right, I'm going to write the script. And I spent entire days on end just writing the script and editing it to try and get it down because I, I guess to put it as I'm not particularly good at uh, speaking impromptu in an impromptu way, uh, as may be becoming evident right now. But when I've got a script and something prepared, it's a lot better and i like writing scripts because i'm writing has definitely been an interest of mine like i've written several novels uh in the process of writing a novel but of course i'm still putting that off so yeah uh, the script writing is only half the journey because then you have to edit the video and that is a lot of work in itself for someone who's not as experienced with video editing as they are with writing can can i ask oliver you on, on on the script you you start off with um sort of an amazed um, discussion around the, this four years long game, the 2012 um, championship. How did you come across that in the first place to to know that that was there? Is it, was it just Googling or how did that come about? Uh, I think it, I, th- I think I did mention it in the video itself. There was a Reddit post that I found. Um, I think I found it actually during as the game was still ongoing and I found that and it just explained in great detail everything that was going on about the game and I found it really interesting and obviously by that point I I was familiar with diplomacy I knew about diplomacy but I still wouldn't consider wouldn't have considered myself an efficient aficionado um but then reading that it just rekindled some kind of inspiration for it and as I go into in the video itself it's kind of it's a very interesting story and it's kind of fascinating like how did this game go on for three and a half years 
And I guess that's why I chose to lead with it, because it's something that you can tell people who don't know a thing about diplomacy. It's like, oh, have you heard about this board game that once went on for nearly four years? And that's a very kind of, it's a very engaging hook, I feel. And it's why I decided to start the video with there and kind of center it around that and come back to it at the end to explain it. I, I, yeah, because I thought it was a very, yeah, very clever way to start it off. Um, and uh, just on a side note, um, thanks for using that animation, what the actual video of it itself. Um, I was the one who put that together and just sort of put it out there on the internet. I was really happy to see oh. someone sort of take it and sort of do something with it. Um, <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, it, well, this is full of coincidences then. Wow. Well, the diplomacy world. Yeah. I was yeah. going to say, if you want another coincidence, literally our first interview that we did for the podcast, which was episode five back in late 2016, was with three of the players talking about that particular game. So um, so there we are. All the threads are coming together. God, yeah. It's, it's, it's all just combining on itself again. Wow. Um, now, now... You you mentioned sort of towards I don't know about three quarters of the way through your video that you got sort of five rules that you that you sort of use to make yourself a better player or, or things you keep in the back of your mind when you're playing diplomacy. Um, there's uh, laziness, overconfidence, loss aversion, the halo effect, and the peak end rule. Um, I have to say when you when you're talking about loss aversion, I thought ah. Yes, I can see myself 100% when I'm playing diplomacy. I can absolutely relate to to that. Um, and that's something I'm definitely going to take away f from, um, you know, your, your, your discussion around that. Do you have a favourite one that you sort of keep in mind when you're playing the game or are they all just sort of bundled together and you've kind of digested it and that's, you know, that's your, your way you approach, um, approach game of diplomacy? Uh, well, I think it's a bit of a stretch to say that I use these myself when I'm playing diplomacy because I'm not that great at reading people uh, and I just kind of go in circles when I'm trying to apply these cognitive biases like, oh, are, are they being overconfident here or are they being loss averse here? But wait, maybe they could be they, they could be something else. And it's it's I, I really only kind of explicitly stated these as I was researching the video. Um, they weren't really things I've kept in the back of my mind when I'm playing. But I guess, as I make, as I allude to, um, I myself try to just maintain very nice relationships with the people I'm playing with to perhaps make invoke the halo effect. Uh, and I don't know, I, I guess that's kind of my default position. Like, I try to have good relations with people and be positive in the hopes that they will conflate that with me being a, a peaceful player and a nice player and someone they'd want to work with. Uh, when, in fact, I have been told recently by some of my friends who I'm playing this with and playing other games with that I'm actually a Machiavell Machiavellian kind of monster when I'm playing these sorts of games. <laughs> Uh, I don't know whether I'd agree with that wholesale, but I can certainly see where they're coming from. Why do they so, think that? Uh, I think this is mostly based on other video games that we've played, uh, Civilization being the main one, where I, yeah. I, out of everyone, are the most likely to declare war on people and just 
actually succeed in that. Um, which, you know, people are surprised by because I, as I said, I try to make it maintain good social relations and then they think, oh, this is just a peaceful person who's not going to declare war on anyone. Whereas three turns later, I declare war on them and send in a massive army. So. Out comes the knives. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, I, the other the other bit I was really fascinated was where you started talking about AI as a, as an area that um, you know that there's there's movement going around that, and this is an area that both Ambi and I have been quite fascinated with for some time as well. Um, And, and that that article there that you, you you bring up about sort of that emergent manipulative AI behaviour is um, I was wondering if we could just have a chat around um, you know do, do do you reckon that we're likely to see more Machiavellian type things that a computer can invent invent or come just make up or come to as a tactic. Uh, well, I think I mentioned in the video that that article covered experiments where the the players were playing gunboat diplomacy, so there wasn't any communication. They were just making moves and trying to... There was some kind of anticipation of what other players' next moves would be. Uh, these all being AI players as well. There was some anticipation of what their next moves would be, some sort of heuristic of what the best move is for a certain situation, a bit like how chess AIs work. But I think the next layer, the kind of communication aspects and manipulation aspects is something that we are quite a way off seeing because it would require a computer to emulate our own brain's kind of cognitive faults and the cognitive biases are list in the video. And I guess it, to, to some extent you'd need a computer to pass the Turing test in order to do that. You'd need a computer to completely seem like it was human in order to act like it was human and be able to pick up on human tendencies and human biases. So in, I, in my sorry, opinion, Mike. I think we're still... Oh, sorry. Sorry, I had my mic muted there. Um, no, no, I absolutely, I absolutely agree with you there. Um, the, I, and in many ways, I think it, it's what makes diplomacy a really great game for a computer to really you know, learn some of those skills, hey? Yeah. Yeah, I think the computer, it's going to do well at the first of my layers that I went over in the video. Um, it's going to do well at the tactical aspect. It's going to do well at the kind of chess-like mathematical aspect. But as soon as you start introducing human players and the interaction between the human players, kind of maintaining relationships, that's the stuff that computers currently don't do well at all. So I feel like we're still quite a way off a computer being able to play full-blown diplomacy well which is probably a good thing <laughs> yeah i mean as, as i then go on to say in the third layer if a computer can play diplomacy then it can probably take over the world and become a dictator or something well yeah when, when, once you kind of actually create a um, you know an ai that can master manipulation and lying and so forth uh, we're on a, a sticky slope, so to speak, for civilization. Yep, yep. <laughs> so um, you, you just you touched a little bit earlier on, Oliver, around the different um, different approaches of players and about some of the research you prepared for that. 
Uh, when when Cameron and I did catch up um, the other day to kind of prepare for this interview, um, one thing we touched on, and actually kind of raised this with me, was the fact that you talked about a number of um, famous um, individuals who have you know shown an interest in the game, and you talked about uh, was it Isaac Asimov. Um, I think neither of us were aware of that. Where did you where did you pick that up when it came to your your research and pulling together the video? Uh, well, are you going to be bad at me if I say it was literally on the Wikipedia page for diplomacy? <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I, I'm a big Asimov fan, so it was quite nice for me to see that uh, Isaac Asimov was one of the people famed for playing diplomacy. So, um, and, and likewise, I'm assuming that, that the uh, the Henry Kissinger and the, uh, the JFK analogy was also... Uh, Wikipedia inspired? Yeah, although I think I did a little more research into the Kennedy connection. Okay, tell me uh, about that. I'm interested in that. I think, well, he played it in the White House, apparently. Um, I don't, it's unclear whether it was before or after the actual Cuban missile crisis that I touched on in the video. Um, but statistically speaking, like the game was out for three years before that and Kennedy was assassinated a year after, so it's probably quite likely he was playing it before we actually got to that point. Um, yeah, there wasn't really much depth in the research I put in here, so I'm not sure I'd be able to speak about anything else. But I just found it very fascinating that it does potentially have an impact on these real-world events. And hopefully that comes across in the last part of the video. Oh, look, I think, I think it definitely does. And look, even even if it was just pure legend... It, it makes sense, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. The, 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 the way that uh, I suppose, and you get this within diplomacy where, and just like real life really, you know, you, the fact that you know, two particular powers with the USSR and, and the USA uh, obviously have a, a certain public face they need to maintain. They don't want to kind of lose face, so to speak. So, you know, coming up with, as, as occurred within the Cuban Missile Crisis, you know, Back channel arrangements, and we'll, we'll kind of put this public view on something here. But in in the background, we'll have this secret agreement for how we're going to deal with you know um, you withdrawing your missiles out of Cuba, and uh, you know we'll withdraw our missiles out of out of Turkey, um, which obviously is what what occurred in real life. I think is um, it shows the skills a diplomacy player would would normally exhibit, and obviously whether Kennedy was a player or not. Um, he, he showed the traits, I suppose, of a diplomacy player. Was that your was that was that your take when you kind of pulled that together as part of that conversation in the video? Yes, that's kind of the point I was trying to get at. Like, diplomacy is a board game, and it has the layers of being a logical thing and trying to understand people's psychology. But when you put those two together, you kind of come up with a model for understanding humans in real life and the polit- political machinations of real life. Uh, so yeah, the kind of implications of oh, if you put missiles here, I'm going to put missiles here, and the stepping up of tensions and mutually assured, assured destruction, etc. Those sorts of things are very much the kind of real world diplomatic effects of our own brains approach to events. It's kind of the way that uh, the cog- cognitive biases I was talking about earlier, how they expand to actually causing events in real life and how we've ended up in some 
situations in the real world, uh, political or otherwise. So I think it's it's very much a microcosm of uh, real world politics, and that makes it interesting because you have that context, and you can understand it understand it from that lens as well. So, so do you see much of that happening at the moment in in twenty twenty with the way that you know um, state based actors interact with each other in in what what we see in the public view of the world? Yes. Uh, well, I, I think you have to re- remember that the real world is far more complicated than a diplomacy game. Uh, you have more than seven agents uh, taking part. So there's a lot, far more interactions, but in each of those interactions, you can kind of see the same things happening. You know, there's some kind of, there's the halo effect going on with certain individuals, or there's loss aversion going on with others. Uh, and it's kind of how those impact the real world you end up with the emergent behaviour that we can see in the real world, real world and its politics. Yeah, you, you mean you're correct when it comes. To, it doesn't matter whether you're talking about you know real world elements of uh, geopolitical sense around that whole loss of version thing. Nobody wants to take a step backwards, uh, even though realistically that that step backwards. I'll use the analogy within a diplomacy game of like losing you know, a, a supply centre which actually kind of then creates potentially a um, a long-term alliance with a player that allows you to then to grow is something that usually doesn't kind of come on the radar of most players because they're more concerned with, oh, you know, damn, I'm going to go backwards, you know, rather than actually go forwards and, and that doesn't really usually gel well. Um, I, I have listened to a number of um, business ba- business-based podcasts over the years where this whole concept is is just so obvious, you know what I mean? The fact that, you know, people aren't prepared to lose a $1,000, uh, or sorry, they'll, they'll do everything to, to prevent themselves losing, losing $1,000 or £1,000, but they, you know, they won't make the effort, which requires about the same amount of effort to make, you know, 10 times that figure or whatever's to be the case. So yeah. um, uh, it, it's interesting. So, look, you, you mentioned before that you're studying, obviously, mathematics, but you've talked a lot around some of these psychology elements in the way that people's brains work do you do you do some further study in that space as well like as a, a separate you know a, a separate major or a minor or whatever like that to your degree that you're working on uh it's nothing formalized like that um i know a lot of people studying psychology uh, i'm living with several of them next year so i guess it, a large part of it has just come to be you, you're getting by osmosis. For them so they don't kind of psych you out yes i guess that's one part of it um <laughs> but i a lot of it is i mean the, the specific in the video come from that book that I mentioned, uh, Thinking Fast and Slow, which my dad had been trying to get me to read for years. And I finally sat down and read it and thought, wow, this is amazing. This has some interesting revelations about how the world actually works. And then when you when you know they're applicable to the world as a whole, you think, oh, yeah, they can also be applicable to diplomacy. But on your point about um, loss aversion, I think what I found even more interesting in the book was the flip side of that, which is that uh, when faced between a choice where one option is a definite loss and the other option is some pre- uh, some likelihood of staying the same but some likelihood of a much greater loss, people will tend to choose the risky one, the one that may end up with a much greater loss. And that's also something apl- applicable to diplomacy. Like you see players who are perhaps down to their last few supply centres, they th- 
it's likely they'll be eliminated anyway. They make kind of clutch plays attempting to do something ridiculous just out of sheer hope that it would work, uh, which is very much the flip side to what you were saying about shoring up the gains that you already have and not really wanting to gain any more, even though it, it could perhaps be quite easy. And I will uh, admit to being uh, guilty on that on many, many times <laughs> where, where I will kind of take uh, more audacious risks to uh, try to get myself out of a game. And, and you're 100% correct. More often than not, it kind of goes the wrong way and you end up kind of getting eliminated. Um, so when all this coronavirus stuff goes, um, do you kind of see yourself re-engaging in the game a bit more? I think that's a possibility. Uh, obviously, as I said earlier, I prefer playing with actual people because you can apply all of these psychological aspects to the game and it becomes much more interesting to me that way. So I don't think, even though online play is still an option, I don't think I'll be doing that or much of that uh, in the future but yeah i definitely like to convince more people to play it in person with me uh, i managed to convince a load of, uh, friend group who weren't perhaps taken to the idea of playing a game about betraying each other i managed to convince them to play a game last year and that went quite well um i also won that one interestingly uh, but i yeah i think similar things can happen in the future um obviously it will require the ability to uh, to get seven people to uh, together, which at the current time is not really allowed by law, interestingly enough. Interestingly enough um, Unless you're in Australia. Um. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're very jealous of you guys and everyone else who's got, got it right uh, over here right now. But it, it mean, I would say it helps being on, a, on an isolated island, but um, I think you guys are too, but uh, there's far more traffic going in and out, obviously, of the UK. Um, right. Actually, on that on that point, Oliver, I mean, we haven't actually talked about this, but but geographically, where within the UK are you based, or where do you normally live? Uh, so my actual home and where I am now is in uh, South Hampshire, so kind of right on the south oh, yeah, coast. Yeah. Uh, for most of this year, I have I've spent most of this year in London because I was working for a software company in North London uh, before the lockdown hit, and then I've been working from home for them uh, for the last few months. So in which case, I mean, just for you and obviously for any of our, our British listeners who are listening, um, particularly if you're based in normally within London, are you familiar with the London Diplomacy Club? I'm not, but I'm not surprised that it exists. <laughs> so so Marvin, who runs that, is is, is quite active. There was actually, oh, I can't jump in if you can kind of remember when it was, I'd say probably about six, eight weeks ago, um, they had like a, a, a CoronaCon online tournament, you know, bringing everybody all together who normally play in London as well as anyone around the world who wanted to join up. Um, so that, they're, they're quite a, an active scene. Um, and then on top of that, we've, we've also previously interviewed uh, Gary Sturley, who's run a number of different tournaments in the UK and I think is trying to facilitate, oh, sorry, was trying to facilitate before Corona broke out a um, a tour of Britain series of uh, for, for um, uh, British players to come together and, and play in various locations around the UK. So um, uh, you, you have lots and lots of um, compatriots out there. You just don't know that they're there. <laughs> yeah, I, I can expect that. I can see that. Um, so, I mean, from my perspective, I've, I've really enjoyed it. I've kind of learned a lot from you. Uh, Kana, do you have any other further questions at all from your end? 
from me, I just want to thank Oliver for you know putting together such a great video. Thoroughly enjoyed. I found myself laughing a couple of times, especially when you poured the um, the risk pieces onto the board there, mate. It was um, yeah, <laughs> laugh out loud moment, you know. Yeah, thanks. I mean, that was uh, like the only footage I took myself for the entire video because, as I said, I didn't have access to the diplomacy board that I own because that's in London in where it was uh, for most of this year. But I have my risk set here. And I decided, yeah, I could take footage of that. That could be quite funny. So thank you. Well, it was, yeah. <laughs> On um, potentially non-diplomacy-related matters, do you see yourself, if, if uh, lockdown continues a little bit longer or you have some spare time on your hands, do you, do you see yourself turning your hand to any other um, creative endeavours in the future? Uh, well, in terms of videos, this is only really the second proper video essay kind of style thing I've put together. Uh, the last one was on a video game of a similar kind of nicheness to diplomacy uh, about a year ago. Um, so I, I've enjoyed it. Uh, it was a game called Paraworld. It was about people riding dinosaurs. Um, but I think the diplomacy video is definitely a step up from that. Um, both have got good reception, so it's possible that I make more videos in future. I've got some ideas mostly relating to film stuff that I want to do, but I mostly... Mostly I'm uh, focused on writing novels or making music. I think the music that I've made is perhaps the most successful thing that I have in, in terms of creative endeavours. So I'll continue doing that, certainly in the future. I mean, I know that, that Kana picked up his name in the, um, um, I suppose, God, my mind's gone blank. Yeah, that's probably my fault for having a few few glasses of wine. The credits, that's <laughs> uh, <laughs> um I didn't check the credits. Do, do you kind of have your own music at all within your video? Yes. Uh, the only instance of that in this video was the music that was playing during the credits it's the credits themselves. Um, but, yeah, there, there's loads of my music all over my channel. Um, most recently, I m created an album and produced an album which features myself singing, which is a bit of a bittersweet thing because I'm not great at singing and I tried to use auto-tune and vocoders to kind of correct that and it wasn't always successful but I decided I should run with it and try to live with it anyway and I'm still happy with what I, I ended up with except it's it could have been better if I'd got someone else to sing Well I've got to say look I think for somebody who obviously is currently at, at college at university um, and, and has a little bit of spare time on his hands I think it's wonderful that you're embracing your creative spirit, whether it's uh, your, your music, your singing, uh, your video production, <laughs> or, or your writing, um, as, as one old fart to someone who's not an old fart. Um, enjoy it whilst it lasts, <laughs> because you really don't get much of a chance for, for quite a few more years, mate. So uh, get into it, yeah, pump it you. out, find out what's, what relates to you and what, what really kind of floats your boat and go down that path. So uh, in... Um, but no, I, I, I agree with Kana. Um, thank you very, very much for the video you created. It's it's wonderful. Um, I think it's a real um, ideal way. I think to communicate to people in a in a interesting, engaging way around what makes diplomacy the game we all love. So Oliver, thank you very much for your time. Yeah, thank you very much for having me and for those comments. Uh, yeah, it's, it's been great. Thank you. Thank you. And we're back. Cheers. Cheers. I was about to ruin it. Um, the, 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 the suspense. Yes. Um, 
but yeah, no, he used, he used um, an animation that I'd put together for the 2012 game, um, the one that lasted four years. Yeah. Um, and I'd posted it on YouTube myself, and he, he'd used those graphics, so I was, I was really chuffed about that. You know, I was really, I was watching it, I was like, yeah, yeah, this is, you know, it's really quite happy. Did you, when you were watching and it, did you, did you go, oh, that, that's my video? Yeah, because because just at the just at the start, he, he had like the first character that got knocked out of yeah. the game, um, Kum Poodle. Or, yeah, 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 yeah. Was that you yes. putting that? Those that words was up? me putting those words oh, up yeah, in the actual okay. video itself. Yeah, yeah okay. Um, oh, we covered it on a podcast. Like, yeah, we did years yonks ago. And yonks yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was, really, I was just really happy that he was that someone had found a use. I for think it was just after yeah. maybe one of our first few episodes when we actually had those guys on for an interview. It might have been episode four or five. I have to go back and yeah, definitely clarify that. Um, but go, yeah, no, go, I, go I, I, to uh, diplomacygames.com/podcast and you'll see the long list there, and you'll find it down the bottom somewhere. One of the first ones. Yeah. Um, and then he, you know, he credited me yeah. in, in it, so that was you know nice of him to. He didn't have to. I was just chuffed that it was using. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a few things that I um, actually. <laughs> this is going to sound weird now. I'm going to talk about it in the future tense, but now it's in the past tense. So oh, it'll work. It'll work? Okay, cool, cool. Um, I'm really interested what he said around um, some of the historical elements. So, particularly, you know, the fact that, you know, um, in, sorry, famous players, so to speak, of the game. I didn't know Isaac Asimov played the game. I knew about the other I two. I didn't know about Isaac Asimov either. To, yeah, that, that's cool. Yep. Very cool. Hopefully, I've asked him some questions around that. Yeah. Oh, and if it, <laughs> I, 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 just just wrapping it up at the tail end of his um, video, he um, he goes into the whole conspiracy theory of like conspiracy nuttery around JFK dying. Yeah. Um, and then he removes letters out of um, out of the names. Of them and then rearranges it, Fleet London to England. So, yeah, G. That was classic, too, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. (laughs) Um, The other thing that I was surprised at, obviously, and I guess we're going to find this out in the interview that you've just listened to. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I'm guessing he must have a bit of a mathematics bent himself. Have to. Yeah, you'd have to. And did yeah. you notice, uh, he obviously reused certain imagery at certain points of time. And he had like a whole heap of people around a, a diplomacy board. But I did see Peter McNamara in the back there kind of, you know, stroking his beard or whatever. Peter in there? Yeah, he's in one of those ones in the, in the video. Hey, okay. And again, that got me thinking because Peter from memory is like a mathematics lecturer professor. professor. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So I think one thing we've always talked about is people that seem to have an interest in history and, you know, social, political theory, things like that, seem to gravitate to diplomacy. But obviously maybe mathematicians also gravitate to diplomacy. Yeah, I wonder if there's an uptick in mathematicians finding the game too. In in that, like, there's that whole stuff going on around AI. Development. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, still a long way off, I think, from becoming truly emergent in the sense that they can hold negotiations with people. Yes, yeah. Still a long way off that, but they they they're definitely as he, as Oliver points out, definitely. Um, 
looking for that emergent manipulative behaviour in a gunboat setting. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, following on from, you know, the, 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 the bots, the AI bots that WebDip runs through a server in um, Canada. Yep. Um, yeah, I think there's, there's definitely, I think, much more complex than a game of hex or go or chess, backgammon, any of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, because you're dealing with seven humans, aren't you? And that was the other thing. Or yeah, six, absolutely. So, yeah. well, yes, unless you're kind of having to argue with yourself all the time, which actually does go on. Let's be perfectly honest. Sometimes you're going, do I do this? Do I do that? Oh, am I going to stab? Yeah, that fifty-fifty. So, yeah, 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 you are, you are, yeah, you are yeah, arguing yeah. with yourself sometimes. But yeah, I think that kind of came out as well very clearly in his video, yeah. and hopefully in the interview, about you know the fact that it's, it is different to just a straight tactical slash strategy thing of um, pure gameplay in yeah. a sense of moving you know pieces around a physical environment. Oh. It's around the players and how those interactions work, and yeah. that's that's what makes diplomacy unique as a game and I love sorry just and before moving on just just quickly um, and we'll let the interview speak for itself I think after this. Well, I think it just did didn't it yeah it just did um, <laughs> but I, I, I love the I love the risk reference to risk and he, goes, and, and he just sort of pours a whole heap of risk pieces onto the board in Australia and I just I've, I've had that experience playing risk and I discovered the game well I didn't discover the game I after learning the game of Risk, I was introduced to Diplomacy after Risk. But I do remember games of my brother playing Risk and being frustrated at the piling aspect. See, this, we've never talked about this, but I've never played Risk. Never. You're not missing anything. Okay. It's a shit game. But, but I mean, Sorry. it, Sorry, it, it always... It actually... In my opinion. It's always appealed to me, historically, because... It's maps, it's war, it's, it's history and you know, yeah. reproduction of history and alternate history and whatever, and but never really got into it. No, it's 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 a numbers game in the end. Yeah, it's about. I I, I think this is just about collecting your pieces and yep. just having more pieces than the next bloke. How's that different to collecting supply centers and then having more units than the next bloke? There's because extra, there's extra only so levels. many units that you can have adjacent to. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, whereas risk, but it's kind of like pile, pile all them all on into one territory and then sort of go on a rampage through Central Asia and the Americas or wherever you happen to run to a rampage. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, but moving on from risk, because this isn't a risk podcast. No, no, it's a diplomacy podcast. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, actually, one thing we haven't talked about for a while. How's, how's, how's your presidential campaign going? Oh, it, it's um, it's in the basement at the moment. Is it? Yep. It's it's broadcasting like, subliminal it's like, messages. It's like it's like Joe Biden in the basement, is it? <laughs> I think he's been out and about now, isn't he, for a couple of times? Actually, speaking of presidential um, runs, I, I understand we've got some new patrons. Yeah, we do, actually. Yep. Um, so I'd just like to thank three new patrons, as well as, obviously, existing patrons who are continuing to support. So, uh, Hal Shib, uh, Brother Board, that we oh, interviewed previously, yep, yep, yep. and uh, Brian Pavel. So, um, thank you very much, guys. Much appreciated. These uh, drinks are 
proudly being brought by our Patreons. Yep. Um, with the eye of upgrading some audio at some point. Maybe, maybe. If, if people actually want us to upgrade the audio. Let us know. <laughs> <laughs> Just like us getting drunk. It's usually keep getting shiggered is their response. <laughs> from, uh... <laughs> um, anyway. Um, do we want some more? Yeah, of course. Yep. Yeah, can I get another malt? Um, the lager? lager? Yep. 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 Not another shrimp. Another shrimp. Did they have a position in my cabinet that they wanted to fill? Um, look, I must admit I didn't ask them because I think a couple of them were Patreon levels that don't quite get a presidential appointment. Oh. Um, but the board also, would get, you know, Ministry of Misinformation, surely. I don't know about misinformation. I think he's... I don't know what he's... The, 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 the director of propaganda? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he pumps out a lot of propaganda. Pumps out, no, pumps out a lot of words. Words, so yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's not propaganda. Just, like, yeah. like, um, just good stuff. Um, uh, Minister of Media. Yes. Minister of Government Correspondence. <laughs> Governmental Correspondence. So unless you don't want... Yeah, let us know if you want to be a different minister. Diplo board. Uh, uh, did board, brother. Um, but until we know otherwise, the... the um, Minister of Government Correspondence. And I've actually played against um, Howell also when we had... Thank you very much. When we had that... Uh, oh, sorry, when I played in that Minnesota game a oh, couple yeah. of months ago. Yeah, yeah. I think that was when... Uh, where was I? I was Russia? Was I Russia or Turkey? This is the online... Yeah. Oh, I was Russia. Yeah, okay. Or was I Turkey? Fuck, I can't remember. But anyway, but he was Italy. Ah, uh, okay. And he fucked me over once, though, so... Yeah, well played. <laughs> um, talking about getting fucked over and being well played... Oh, yeah? I wanted to... Yeah. I think we touched on this last episode after everything kind of screwed up and the recording stopped and then we kind of did a really botchy job on my iPhone. Yes. Around yes, a topic this. we were going to talk about, which was stupid greedy versus smart gains. Tell me about that, Andy. Well, what smart gains have you been having recently? Um, have you been stupid greedy? Actually, I think maybe this this segment should be called stupid greedy slash smart gains slash fuck gameplay. I don't know. <laughs> okay, I've well, um, hit me with it. What 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 have you done? I'm uh, I'm in a slump, Kane. I'm in a slump. Oh, does that mean? Are you telling me that you're, you you might be slipping in rankings soon? I have progressively started, and I think I'm going to keep slipping, <laughs> slipping and sliding. But don't worry, Amby. It's all about the fun of the game, being in it. Yeah, playing I, I, not I, just to win it, but playing for the sheer unholy joy of being involved. I'd probably enjoy it more if I had some better wins or just stop getting killed or about to be killed I went through a slump the I, I reckon most of last year I didn't have a win no win for a whole year oh yeah yeah um, and I think I snuck into one or two draws but yeah just a string of defeats 2019 not a good year for me to climb the games it's blowing yeah it happens it fully happens well I think I was I think I was like Riding high with um, 
which game so, so the, that divided states game that we're not going to talk about anymore obviously with that win yes and then there was also another which I still need to do an ad, animation for by the way I thought you did an animation I was going to you did I did did you did I no, I thought you were, but then you didn't. You didn't kind of. You said you were going to put in the music in the background. And you never put the music in. That's right. I did make it, but yeah, okay, right. Link below. Well, yeah, but you can also go back to that episode. And I think we have the link out there. Um, but there was another game I also did, which was reasonably close that I had a, a good solid draw on. That was a big game too. Can't remember which one it was. Anyway, that was when I was riding high. Yes. And then I kind of took... I didn't listen to my own advice of, okay, just take a step back, preserve your ranking, give yourself a pat on the back, bask in the glory of your so-called diplomacy greatness because you're having to fluke it for once. (laughs) And stupidly started getting back into games. Nothing stupid about it. And uh, the first one I got into... Well, actually, it may have been around the same time. Was that um, uh, Cloak and Dagger series game, which is oh, the yes, fake yes, news yes, Decapopolopolops? Yes. Yep, 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 yep. I know it. I've got it opened up right here. And this was probably less a stupid, greedy, smart games. And this is probably more a failure to appreciate the board. Oh, yep. On a few levels. So this is the variant. Um, is this one? Is this one? Is this World uh, Diplomacy X? Oh, this is anonymous though. This is anonymous. It's anonymous. Yeah. Oh, okay. Fuck. I really can't be talking about this, can I? But you're still in it. I'm still in it. Just. Just. Okay. So let's just leave that one because I can't talk about that anymore. <laughs> um, but it's a failure to really appreciate. I wasn't paying attention to what was going on at the board, and I was putting too much faith in sweet-talking words. Oh, in others. Yeah. yeah. I sat this game for you. You did. And you I handed were, it back you, to you with extra supply centres. Yes. So what happened? Oh, you'll have to tell me when this game finishes. That's true. Or when you get kicked out, one or the other. And I think I may have mentioned this one or two episodes ago. This this was touched on by um, Siobhan Nolan in one of the... Um, one of the live stream games that we've recently done around that whole concept of you got to watch the board. The board talks, you know what I mean? Yeah. So without going into detail on that particular map, a so-called friend, in air quotes, moved some units closer to me. And I thought, hmm, do I actually ask him what are you doing? Suspecting... Skullduggery. Skullduggery. And I thought, no, if I accuse him that, he then may think I don't trust him. And maybe he was just moving units away from maybe being perceived as threatening another player. Particularly after then he stopped moving. He just moved them once, just, just stopped. Nothing nothing moved again. Okay, yeah. For like about two or three turns. And then, bang, it all happened all at once. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And that, to me, was a really good sign of a very good diplomacy player in the sense of timing timing yep. but also patience moving things just this one small surreptitious movement and then nothing so you think oh, okay yeah, it's all cool okay and then boom so what was it in you that 
didn't think to move a couple of units towards that potential. I was being stupid greedy. Stupid greedy. Okay. Or stupid greedy or more just... Willingly. I, sorry, I'd been stupid greedy. I was actually trying to be too willingly supportive of my yep. alliance partners. Yep, yep. And in doing so, had not only left the back door with the keys in the door, but it also left the door wide open. Yep. And, you know, had left my wallet and my iPhone and everything like that on clear display for the... Um, and diplomacy players, for the, for the, diplomacy for, players. For the guy to kind of come the in the back. diplomacy board. Yeah, yeah. yeah and I was, I was upstairs to, having yeah. a shower, and he just went, came in and just took it all off me, Kana. <laughs> okay. Well, did you learn your lesson? Well, obviously not, because there's another one here. <laughs> Shut <you>? up. <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry, your other, your other misfortunate game. Are you going to be the first one knocked out of this one? No, two other players have already been knocked out. Okay, so at least you got that um, that, that humble bragging, right? Um, yeah, coming third last. <laughs> about to be, you know... Now, see, this is also an anonymous game, so we've got to keep it vague. Yeah. But this is, again, I think my, my key issue with this one was getting back to that original idea of stupid greedy. Went too much too fast? I'm sorry, I bit off more than I... Sorry, I was more ambitious than I should have been. Right, so misreading the board, like what you actually... The country could have done. A little bit of that, but I also didn't expect a stab at the same time from somebody to fuck everything up. No, 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 no. It It was this one, and then later on, this one, and then this one, and... Yeah. Yeah, pretty much everyone. I noticed that with, with diplomacy games, and I've, I've, I've had plenty of time to observe it being on the wrong end of it, is that um, sometimes, like, often a player who the initial stabber will weaken me as a, as a country. Yep. Just enough to the point for other players to go, right, piles on. Yep. Time to jump on and get what we can whilst we still can get something. And uh, that's very human isn't it when you start thinking about it you know like you've got four people in the room one person's got eight apples one person's got eight 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 yep and then you know player one takes two apples from player two yep and looks like he's going to be able to get the other six apples or most of the apples yep so player three and four will go oh hang on I'll put some apples I too want some thank apples you as well yep. and so they'll jump on and try and take a few apples in the end, it's like it just turns into a pile on. I think that's a problem that Austria faces yeah. in, a, in, a, in a regular board at, a, at an earlier junction than any other of the countries. Yeah. yeah. So this particular game that, that you talked about where I've been stabbed multiple times, I've just like, I, I feel like Julius Caesar, I have like so many et knife tu, wounds in tu. me. <laughs> and, um, like, the only reason I'm, you're alive is because you've got... Two players attacking the same supply center. At the same time. At the same time. That's <laughs> <laughs> not a good position to be in. No, it's not. <laughs> but this is, I mean, this, this is the game. This was like the um, the one where the players with only 2,000 points and above could be in. Yeah. So these are, what does, you know what this tells me, Kana? <laughs> I'm what? not as good as I think. <laughs> You're not as good as you thought. Oh. My shit still smells. <laughs> <laughs> so you had a good win. 
I yeah yeah I had one good win. I thought you say you had a bad day. You need to play that right now. Cause you had a bad day. You take it one down. You sing a sad song just to turn it around. <laughs> okay, so um, yeah, but this has been a good learning experience. I hope. Yep. And I'd apply that, except in um, other games I've recently joined, because I then thought, ah, fuck this, I'm going to follow Kana's philosophy and just play for the love of the game. Yes. And, and it turns out I've joined the same games as well. Who would have thought? Yeah, um, well, I was actually <laughs> surprised before so, we started so, recording. We said, oh, what games are we in? I went, blah, blah, blah. And then you went, blah, blah. I went, oh, fuck, okay, those are anonymous games. So, um, so we, we, we have to be careful here. about how we well, talk about to, this. Can we um, include this, or do we have to just edit that out? No, no, we, we can we can talk about actually, this because we actually legitimately don't know. But we don't know who each other are. Each other are. Yeah, 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 yeah. We happen to be in the same game. Actually, because... I like the way you've done that because we cannot possibly see the top of the board or, or the bottom of the board to know who is who. Good, good thinking, Kana. Yes. So, how... so the first one's this um, Western Europe 1300. Yeah, yeah. This was and this was like what this is the variant we never got around to talking to because I kind of ran out of um, tape. Or storage in the unit. Yeah. This is was introduced what about six, eight weeks ago on VDIP? It's not too old, but it's um It's the most recent one there. It's the second most recent. Is it? Yes. Is Scottish Clan Wars more recent? Okay. More recent. Yep. Um So how about we have a so this game actually we can't scroll to the top because we don't want to look what it's we called. Can scroll up to. Oh, I think I'll close my eyes and then you can look up and look what the game's called. Western Quintuple. Okay, cool. Can you bring it back down so I can't see? Yeah. Okay, yes. take my hands off my eyes now. Uh, I look like a dickhead for a moment. So this, this is, is a four-player game. Yeah. So I, my understanding of this variant. Five-player game. Five-player game. Yeah. Cool. So it's kind of like the. Um, the 100 variant set in the 100 Years War, which is normally a three-player variant, but it's been extended out to also include um, Aragon and Catalonia in the um, Iberian Peninsula. Yeah. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, this starts is off with England down in Gaspian. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah oh, sorry, we're talking about Gaspion, the actual map itself, yeah. Um, you've got Burgundy. The, the, Burgundy? Burgundy, that's Burgundy. You've yep. got the French player... And you're right, you've got your Castellon and um, your... Aragon. Aragon thing. So it must have just had, like, must be set just after the Reconquista. Um, I think, actually, it's prior to the full Reconquista because I think the game starts... Actually, what I'll do is I'll close my eyes again, put my hands over my eyes. You want to go to the, the, um, uh, the variant map for it, yeah, at the top? All right. So we can just see what the opening starting positions are. And we can talk about the board without seeing the um, uh, units on the board. You done? Uh, no, hang on. I just need to bring that one down. Um, you just got to kind of go over just whatever. Just imagine the... Ambie's got a hand over his face. Like Ambie does. does have his. Yeah. Um, Ambie looks like a fucking dick. So I'll just close my eyes. Here we go. Yeah. All right. Yep. Good. Now, okay, good. So, this, so. Is, this is the Western Europe five player game. Yep. Um, so, yeah, Granada hasn't fallen yet. Inspired by A. Schwartz's 100, the map is loosely drawn from geopolitical atmosphere of the late 13th century to early 14th century in Western Europe. Put simply, it's the five-player variant option to the 100 game, so you're right. Yep. The major powers are France, England, Castile, Aragon and Burgundy. At the start, there is an imbalance in the strengths of the powers, heavily skewed towards France and England, 
which hopefully will test diplomatic skills of the minor players, Castile, Aragon, Burgundy. As this is a new variant, commentary, blah, blah, blah. So I think blah, the blah, thing blah. about that is 100% correct because the positioning, though, of the French and English units, I think naturally gravitates towards a um, French-English warfare. Yeah, they're set up in such a way as to promote that kind of conflict. Yeah, I mean, like, England is, uh, from the British Isles, has got no other option but essentially to, unless it wants to do some weird flanking manoeuvre westwards to attack um, Castile. But even then, there's no immediate gains. No, you know, no. It's, um, so, which means it then has to try to take neutrals around France, which then naturally leads to conflict. And Burgundy, actually, even though it's a minor power... Is set up in a really quite a powerful sideboard position. Yep. Um, but without fleets. So that's going to naturally, in the long term, disadvantage you. I'm trying to remember, is this built anywhere or not? Oh, good question. Um, I can't see anything about build anywhere, so I assume not. No permanent home supply centres exist. Oh, so build anywhere. A captured but owned and unoccupied supply centre can serve as a build site. That's actually good to know. Well, why don't you say build anywhere? Yeah, I was playing it as a not build anywhere thing. Anyway, more importantly, let's give credit where credit's due. This map was um, developed by Matthew Medeiros. Good work, mate. Thank you. And uh, I might be totally wrong on that one. And uh, adapted for the online environment by Fake Owl and uh, Oliver Orr. Ollie's back in the game. Good old Ollie. Yeah. Um... How are you going with it? Mm. I think you want to get it ready again? Yeah, I've got it back ready. up. Okay, I've cool. got it ready to go. Yeah. So, um, how about instead of saying how I'm going or how you're going, how about we just talk about each of the players around the board all right. and how we, if we were that player, how would we approach that? Okay, all right. So, well, do we want to start from which way? Let's start, let's go, let's go. Because we're Australian anti-clockwise. Anti-clockwise, okay, cool. From Aragon and around. Okay, right? cool. So Aragon... You mean Castile or Aragon? The yellow? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, Castile yeah. the orange. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Aragon, you're right. Aragon. Um, so Aragon's pretty much had pretty much started off and went hard against Castile, but now he's starting to invade English territory in the provinces of um, modern-day France, so Gascony. Yeah. Um... I think he's in a he's in an enviable position. He's in a good position. He's smashing uh, Castile. No, sorry, Cast- no. Yeah, Castile. No, fuck. Uh, what are these called again? Castile. It is Castile. Yep. I'm surprised, however, that he moved his fleet from Biscay, the Bay of Biscay, into Gascony instead of using the Bay of Biscay to support Navarre into Gascony. I might be wrong, Kana, and I don't think you're this player couple of reasons one yes that's not the smartest move possible you by having no fleets in that area he was never going to get tapped by um, England or France so that unit was fine so he should have moved the army and the army would have given him far more leverage yes because then the army could have been moved you know north towards Guyane or whatever it is or um, east to um, Languedoc I assume um, but another thing that tells me that this player is probably not a 
uh, an experienced player is the fact that he moved his fleet out of Portugal just as Bill's come along just as Bill's come along leaving it neutral when nobody can threaten it it's good to have something you know maybe like an extra thing in the pocket that you can kind of call upon later to go just pop in there but if you're going to move up from Portugal to mid-Atlantic surely you'd keep your fleet in the Bay of Biscay so that those two fleets could then kind of smash into you know Brest effectively or Brittany Brittany alright moving along um, Castile. So, Castile. Castile's fucked. <laughs> well, I don't think he's. I don't think he's stuffed. No, he's actually. He's. he's yeah. Um, you know, he's holding up a valiant defence against Aragon. Yep. Um, I think that there seems to be like a detente going between Castile and France, mm-hmm. given that um, France has essentially been split in two. Yep. Now by Burgundy. Um, so there seems to be a an understanding to go other directions. That's just my take. I think I think it's got Having more to that, do. I, I might be wrong. going to be using builds to attack Castile. Personally. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think I, I generally agree with you. I think it's more along the lines of maybe that France is too busy trying to stop Burgundy outflanking it and attacking it so it's kind of giving some breathing space why start another war with someone else when you're already at war potentially with well looking at the board with Burgundy and also with England yep right let's keep moving around so you want to do France or Burgundy next France is next on our clock yep so France um well split in two yep um He's definitely fallen into conflict with England and Burgundy. Yep. I think whilst that uh, Burgundy-English alliance continues, even if England loses um, whatever G-Y, G-U-Y is, where it says... Guillaume? Guillaume. 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 I don't know. I'm not very good with French. Even if England loses that, it's still got plenty of space to, you know, smack into um, France in the north. And between, but honestly, between England and Burgundy, I can't see France coming back on this one. I'm surprised at his retreat into East Anglia um, from the Straits of Dover, in that it's not obviously going to go anywhere. There's obviously going to be a build in Lincoln from the English player and that's going to be swiftly smelt swatted like a fly yeah anyway I agree Um, Burgundy 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 I think is the real winner so far very powerful position Um, gone from three to what six seven one two three four five six seven yes um it looks like England's trying to send love to Burgundy. Oh, it sent more than love. It kind of jumped into bed and said, come and get it. So we'll see where that goes. Well, not really come and get it. More like, I don't know. Yeah, come and get it. <laughs> <laughs> come and get it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and, and it being, um, you know, vacant supply centres. So at this stage, Burgundy's very much a, a landed power um, we'll see if he holds any 
builds in reserve. So he's got one, two, three, four, five, six. Piedmont. They can't build in Piedmont because he's got a unit there. No, no, but if he gets his unit out, if he holds a unit in reserve, he can use that as a build. It's built anywhere. Yeah? Yeah, like or, even or, if he doesn't or, get an well, immediate supply centre this turn, if he, like, okay, so he's seven supply centres. Why would he do that? Why wouldn't he just build in Leon and then six. just kind of smash into Languedoc? Well, if I was him, I'd build in Burn. Why? And move to Dow because there's no defence there and then use that to support AUV into land. Well, why wouldn't you just build in Leon straight away and just do that then? Because Piedmont would be like this and then, you know, he doesn't know what Toulouse is going to do. Toulouse could support land. And no one's going to stop it except for Castellion. Maybe. Okay. So. And leaves us with England. England. So England's losing its French territories. Well, it's lost, only had two French territories, and it's down to one now. Lost one, yep. But it's picked up um, Rotterdam, so uh, up in the uh, the Low Countries. It's yeah, got all Scotland. of Great Britain. So it's picked up Scotland and Wales, which so is natural. Misreading it. How many how many supply centres has it got? One, two, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Ooh. He's got one, two, three, four, five, six units. Is that right? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven units. So he's got okay. two builds. Yep. So you're right. Like East Anglia is going to get smashed. Um, yeah. So he's going to build in Lincoln and Devon for sure. Given that there's a fleet in the Middle Atlantic, hundred percent. Yep. Um, so look, honestly, I think this is going to turn out as a um, either an England win or a Burgundy win or a draw between the two of them. Well, it depends how Aragon goes, um, and it depends how fast France crumbles. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, given that it's a gunboat, you know, yeah, it depends on who interprets what what way and how that cookie crumbles. Mm. <laughs> so, um, and what, you're in another gun that I'm in, are you? Turns out, again. turns out I am, yeah. Uh, let me pull that Oh, up. this was the um, Scottish Clan Wars game that we we talked about last episode. Correct. So we talked about the variant last episode. And you had previously already been in a game of Scottish Clan Wars. Yes, I've played one game of Scottish Clan Wars. This is loading, by the way. You can open your eyes. No, I was just watching what's going on there. I, 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 didn't, look at your, I didn't look at your iPad. I just looked at the uh, barman. I thought the barman was coming over to ask us for more drinks, and I didn't, look like, didn't want to look like a total dick with my eyes closed. So I opened them up for a moment. Let's pretend I've got something Keep your eyes shut. I've just got to open up the... Oh. Um, something in my eyes, Kana. I need to oh, yeah, pretend yeah, yeah, something yeah, in yeah. my eyes. Hurry up. Okay. All good. All good. All good. You can open your eyes now. Yep. Okay. Um, I can't remember what this one's called. Oh, this one's called... Under your, what's under what, your kilt? What's under your kilt? What's under your kilt? What's under your kilt, laddie? So... Not boxes. Not boxes, no. <laughs> anyway, um, so I think we talked last time around. This is um, based in the uh, in Scotland. It's a seven-player variant, and it is still early days. But you They're, see what I mean about like the last time I played this. It seems like there's a very east-west, yeah division in the map like you could almost pull a line straight down the middle of the map 
and consider it kind of, you know, east fights east, west fights west. And well, if you look at exactly, it, absolutely, that's how they grew to. If you look at this, there's not really much east-west engagement, is there really? Yeah, it's all north-south. Yeah? Yeah. Not oh, there was a... Um, I think last turn there was a little bit of argy-bargy between Glasgow and Edinburgh over Stirling. But apart from that, it is all north-south. Mm. Although, there's, like, between the... Um, what is it? The Hebrides, is it? Uh, and the Orkneys. The Orkneys are there. I think they're the Hebrides. Yeah, you're yeah. right. There seems to be some sort of... Oh, no. Is it the Hebrides further up here, up in the... Maybe that's the... So that's the Isle of... That's the Isle of Skye down here. No, I don't what, know. What, what's this? Isle of Harris and... I don't know. So, you just quickly yeah. check what the green one's called. Oh, fuck. Um, out of Hebrides, yeah. Okay, you were right. Good oh, on you. Yeah. Oh, I know. Well, I was wrong. Anyway. So, this is still early days. I mean, it's too early to tell on this one. Do you think... I do feel sorry for um, the people that run this place and others because basically I've had a number of people that just rock on up and they just can't get in because the uh, limits on the number of people you can have here and if I keep it COVID safe. I don't mind, I'm just happy drinking. That's why we got in here early. early. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, but it sucked from the point of view of owning a bar. Like, well, at least they've got money coming in again now. With all the, you know, support in the game, which is good. Anyway, um... Well, should we do a cycle around this? Like, with the... Oh, I don't know. I don't think this one needs a cycle. No, how about, how about we leave this one on, on the, on the yeah. ice, yeah. and we come back to this maybe next time? Yeah. Because I think this is still very early days. I think there is, from my point of view... Okay, here's... Okay, let's just do a, a top three takeaways of what we think about current gameplay from each of us. Yeah. And then we'll just move on. Okay, go. So, um, whoever the brown one is, which I think is Mullock and Ty, they're very dispersed, you know what I mean? Like they're going one way towards this and then that way and then that way. And then they're also potentially involved in this conflict with the Outer Hebrides. I, I'm, I think he might be a bit too... Um, finding too many fights, too many fronts. Okay. I think this pink one needs to get his shit together and figure out where he's actually wanting to go. What, green or purple? Yeah, is yep. he going to go green or is he going purple? Don't know. Actually, I think those are enough. That's enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, we're going to go too much detail and spend it forever talking about the map. Alright. So, so, being a bit of a android man, mm-hmm. you kind of mentioned something to me when we kind of turned up. I found another app. Found another app. I found another... I found another... Diplomacy, yeah. Yeah, let me pull it up. I'll, I'll, I'll shut off the iPad and I'll pull up my phone. Is that so I don't get kind of distracted and want to cheat and look what you've got? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, let me, where is it? It's called Duplicity. Um, and it, it's basically an online version of Diplomacy. Yeah? Get an app. In an app, in an app, and it's quite a nice looking app. Why don't you have a little bit of an explore? So the um, the, the the homepage, so to speak, is very simple but elegant. I love the little soldiers, like on the Band of Brothers type deal. 
Yeah, yeah. But it's like a World War One type of, you know, just they're going over the ridge, they're going over the top type of thing. Yeah. What am I meant to click on now? Oh, okay. So, so let's go down to... Um, so the first thing I did when I opened it up was I went to create a game to see what yep. variants there were there. Okay, yep. And you got some... Like the map... The maps themselves are really quite nice. When you... Uh, we hadn't talked about that. You showed me very, very quickly before we started recording. Yeah. But you know what these maps remind me of? What? They remind me when I was um, in England and I went to the... Um, uh, the war, the, the war cabinet rooms, basically in um, Westminster in London. Mm-hmm. So when Churchill and all those people got together, it's got that nice aged sepia tone map of both, you know, the the bluey greeny sea, the pinky beigey type of landmass, yep. and just the intricacies of the. Uh, can't zoom in on it. So, so I figured out, like, you actually got to go... Um, oh, Into it. Gosh. What you got to do is go... Um, find a game. Browse a game. Find, find an open game. Yep. So let's say... Doesn't matter. Pick one. Doesn't matter. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I'll find a... Let's go to a classical. Yep. View that. And then you can zoom in on the map. Oh, wait a sec. Does this yep. work like a... Oh, it does too. Oh, that's pretty. Yep. So, so the map... The maps themselves, like, I remember uh, growing up, we had, like, big, heavy world atlases. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's it, it sort of got that same feel about it. It's got the it's got the shaded coastlines. It's got the nice lettering. You know what I would... Okay, here's my one, one recommendation for the uh, app developers for this that would make it just so much cooler and more authentic. And that would be, instead of having the territories that you own fully covered, coloured in, you've got that shading effect going around the outline just inside the territory. Oh, like the old... And slightly, you know, blending out. Yes, yes. No, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, that would be really cool. That would be super cool. Although, it would look a bit weird around the contiguous territories because... But, I don't know. Well, I mean, I don't know if you could code it so that the colours just sort of... The, like the border of the coloured territories just kind of join when they join and they split when they split I don't know it'd probably be a bit, bit too much too much effort for minimal game for really aesthetic. <laughs> just, yeah, but still, just to I keep mean, just to keep Ambie happy, happy. <laughs> yeah um, anyway okay so so you know moving on from that um, so that, that that's quite a pretty pretty map um, pretty classical map classic map but then they've got a they've got they've got a whole heap of other variants as well. Bucket um, load of other variants. Bucket load. And some of them I've never seen before. Right? So they've got um, they've got eighteen hundred Empire and Coalitions. We've got that in there, yeah, 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 yeah. in there. Ancient Med, Canton, which is a fun one. Yep. Um, Chaos, Cold oh, War. I'm doing something on Chaos. <laughs> uh, Europe nineteen thirty nine. Which I think they've done a really Ooh, good job on the okay. map because the map Whoa. looks a lot nicer on this app yeah. than it does on the um, VDIP version. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. It's a little bit ver- vertically torn, but that's okay. It no, does look pretty. The, you know, the, the, the names of the territories all sit nicely. It's kind of a little um, bit similar to that um, that big map that you created and printed on Canvas. The, yeah, um, 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 the jump the bear thing. Yeah. Who made it? Parachute bears. I got that off Reddit. 
know. We were talking about before. Anyway, yeah. Um, what else have they got? They've got Fleet Rome, France vs. Austria, 100, North Sea War, um, Pure. And then we start getting down to a couple that I've never seen. Um, so, 2020. Which has got nothing to do with cricket. Yeah, so it's um, it, it, it's a world map based in the year 2020. And it kind of seems similar to the um, World Diplomacy... World Diplomacy X one, but it, it, it's different. So that looks quite. There's no nice. penguins in this one. Oh, there is. There is an Antarctic base, but it's not. Can you go to launch. it? Sorry. Can you go to it? Well, yeah, but, the, but it's, it's, not a, it's, not, it's not a plain country. No, I don't believe so. Okay. Um, Actually, I can't convince and complain. I fucking created supply centers in the. Antarctic for the mate against mate game. It's got a couple other ones like Youngstown Redux, which you know we've got. We've yeah, we've got that. Western, um, Western World 901, which is really cool. I mean, that's a shout out to um, 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 uh, what's his name, Dave Cohen. Yep. Um, so that's e. really Cohen. cool. Yeah, David E. Cohen. Um, and not to be confused with David Cohen. Yeah. Um, so that's cool they've got that that sitting there and then um, this other one but there's this one here like the Vietnam War five players that looks cool to me I, I, I think that would be a fun one to play so that is I totally agree with you and the thing about this that I think is really interesting is the um, the setting so being based in 1955 as a start year it doesn't have that same massive military build-up that you've got with the Americans and the Chinese being involved. You know what I mean? Yep. It is. It's it's your main core Southeast Asian uh, nations, which obviously splits Vietnam in a bit of a dust-up. Does it have? Does that one? If you're able to, can you bring that one up, Kamer, or not? I'm, you, I'm looking for a, a, like an open game or a game that's. You want to create a game? Can you create a game? Because the thing I'm interested in that one was of the play of the players. Looking at that, I can see on the map. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No, I, was, oh, I don't know what happened there. But okay, so if in in a modern context. The areas covered is the modern-day Vietnam, modern-day Laos, modern-day Cambodia, modern-day Thailand. But what I'd be interested in is it with those ones, is it just those five players as five countries, or is there a French colonial power that's still trying to work it out? I'm trying to remember 1955. Was that by then the time that the French had already been kicked out? It must have been. Or was it just before them getting kicked out? No, gotta, I think it, I think it actually is just after. All right. So, just jumping into the actual map itself in Vietnam. Um, it's a one, two, three, four, five-player game. Um, can't tell. I can't speak to which powers are what yet, um, but it's definitely worth looking into. Um, well, this looks like Laos. This looks like Thailand. That looks like Cambodia or Kampuchea. That looks like South Vietnam. That looks like North Vietnam. Yeah, exactly. Well done. Yeah. 
smashed it. Um, but yeah, like it's got rivers and it's got a couple of coasts in there. So I think they've done a good job, and I'm interested to see how that plays. Um, the other really cool thing, which I well, I personally thought was really cool. No, I personally thought this was really cool. Is the it's got an auto generator for the titles of new games. Yep. Right? So if I go to a new game, I go to a create game, I can come up here. So this one, you want to read that one out? Okay. It's upside down for you. It's the conflict of the mordant mark. Right. So all I need to do is hit this refresh button and it gives me a totally new title. The fracas of the crapulous cloud. New title. The skirmish of the boorish bone. New title. The difficulty of the defamatory secretary. New title. The set to of the obtuse burst. New title. The to-do of the dowdy powder. New title. The contest of the intransigent attempt. Same way, you get the idea. And so on and so forth. I thought it's a great way to auto-generate the title of a game if you're ever stuck for a game. So this is a this is an app I'm going to be exploring over uh, the next little while between this episode and the next episode, and I'll get back to you about you know, the sort of gameplay. Fantastic. I'd love to hear that because what I'm interested there is... Remember when we looked at that other uh, Android app? What was that one called? You, you uh, briefly tried it. It um, was run by the French guys. Conspiracy. And the fact that so many people abandoned the game, you know, and went CD'd and everything, it kind of lost a bit of its... So it has a lot to do, obviously, with the um, the dedication of the player base to be involved. Yeah, um, and I think I think with with the conspiracy app, like I I, I get I get that like there's, there's a whole heap of people maybe download the app and give it a go, don't like it, quit, yeah, right? But then there's a hardcore to another um, yes, there's a hardcore um, contingent of players who are dedicated to the app and you know really play it well. Yes. Now, mate, can we just grab two more, please? No. Nice. Thank you. Thanks, Yes, I'll be interested to see how that one works as well. But, you know, Very I, will, good. I will report back at the next episode. I'm looking forward to Kana. So, um, other things. I'm going on holidays. I'm on holidays. Yeah, holidays. Woo. Bravo. Bravo. I think you're on holidays in about a week or so, aren't you? End of next week. Holidays. So, um, it's interesting because I, I plan to just... Mrs. Ambi and I are just going away. Our kids are suitably old enough to look after themselves. Brilliant. Very brilliant. Are you going to be playing diplomacy over this time? Well, I don't think Mrs. Ambi's going to be playing, if that's what you're asking. No, but will you be able... Will you, yeah. Are you out of radio contact? Um, I honestly don't know if there's a bit of a Wi-Fi thing happening there or not. But in worst case scenario, I just tether to my phone. I've, yeah. Um, yeah. I've got copious amounts of gigabytes in my plan at the moment because I haven't been using them. Good. So um, I don't need to sit in games. You're losing games. Oh, yeah, we all fucking know that. We're losing. I'm losing lots of games. <laughs> I'm losing games. You're losing games. You know. You know, you 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 don't care about your Actually, ranking. You're going my, up I'm in not, your ranking. I I'm care not, about I'm not ranking. Doing I'm going too backwards. bad in my games this uh, this year. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gloat, gloat, gloat. Anyway, um, so one thing I thought I would do, two things actually. I know, actually, I'll tell. I'll, I'll just talk about one thing. Okay. The other one I'll talk about for the Patreons. Um, the one thing I plan to do, and did you see my posting at all within the? I did one? have a read of it. So I'm gonna, if time works out, 
I'm going to maybe do a little bit of um, development of variant wise. Thank you. And are you going to share what your variant idea is? Well, there's two. One I've already talked about before. And this one should be relatively easy. And I just, I just needed some advice from some players around... Um, thank you very much. Around... Um, which actually was inspired by you. Right. So this war, this so the first one, which should be the easy one, theoretically, yeah, is um, a classic map, mm-hmm. normal classic map, but with standing armies in neutrals. Oh, that's easy. That code's already there. I know. I was gotta, I was gotta find that bit because because I've been out of the coding game so long. Yep. And someone said it's it's in this bit here. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think just find that, copy paste. There. Put that into the other variant. Yep. The yep. idea being this classic map where you've actually got standing neutrals. And I think we have talked about this before. I don't know which previous episode it is. If I can work it out, I'll, I'll reference it in the show notes. But that time you said, look, that's going to... I can't remember which player it was, but you said it's going to fuck up one player because they won't be able to... I know, I think you said Italy. Because Italy won't Italy. be able to get whatever. So the idea is, your recommendation, which I'm going to implement, is that it's... Um, uh, a spring 1901 build phase. Yes. So that Italy, would make it viable. Yeah, yeah, so Italy can build two fleets, uh, one Rome, one Naples, and be able to uh, take Tunis. Yeah, that'd work. Yeah, that works. Mm. Yeah, okay. And um, it presents all sorts of other options also on the board. Well, it gives Austria the opportunity to build an army in Trieste. Yeah. Yeah, which would make a massive difference there. It'll give early negotiations between Russia and Turkey as to whether or not, like, fleet builds across. Like, Russia and Turkey don't have to fall into conflict pretty much straight off the bat. Yeah, or more to the point, if you kind do of... You trust them? <laughs> yeah. do, you, do you kind of set up, you know, for example, in, in a normal four-press game, Austria and Turkey have a conversation, what are you building? Oh, I'm building an army. What have you been? Oh, I'm building an army too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So when you kind of when the when, when the units get positioned, you go, oh fuck, I'm fucked already. Yeah. Do you hoodwink <laughs> Russia into thinking that? Or yeah. actually, yep. no, 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 because that produces a whole new dynamic. It does, yeah. Because yeah. you may get Turkey building two fleets, Conta Black Sea supported by Ankara. Yeah. Smyrna to Con. Yep. 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 And then almost a guarantee. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's not guaranteed. You've no, got no, guaranteed control of Black Sea, yeah. Yeah, guaranteed, yes. But I reckon you'd probably have to also make it... Reckon you have to make it build anywhere just to kind of create a bit more opportunity or do you think I should keep it as just standard home centre su- supplies builds only? I'd keep it as home centre. Yeah. <laughs> Close enough to the uh, original. Yeah. Home centre supplies only. Okay. I wonder who the first idiot's going to be build three armies as England. <laughs> I don't know. I don't want anything to do with you guys, but stay off my land. <laughs> Keep off the front yard. <laughs> okay. Um, so Are you going to talk about your other... Oh, the, the, the Patreon. No, 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 no. I'm going to talk about the second second one. But now. Oh yeah, yeah, the other ones, the, the patrons are talking about something else. Oh, they'll okay. get an extra bit of some something. Yeah, yeah. So um, the second one, and honestly, this one is, I'm in the hands of the Oliver Orth gods. 
Yes. I do need Ollie's help on this one. Yep. And I, 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 I had a look at your proposal. I personally don't think it could work. But really? It might. Uh, anyway, so um, this again was inspired by you. You, right. you, you okay. kind of give me a lot of, Giving you a lot ideas. of thoughts here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think that was the point of, you know, get angry, drunk, talk about things, let it mull over in his brain, when some of the spare time. <laughs> and, and I think we talked about this last time during summer when you had some time off and you were going to do all these develop these um, variants and you didn't yes. do shit. Yeah, I didn't do fuck all. Yeah. And I kind of said, oh, you should do this, you should do that. Now you It's Puts back on the on the <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what is it? So what I thought about this one, this one requires a bit of effort. Did I inspire you on tape first? No, 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 no. You didn't. You didn't say we. Sh- someone. Sh- you didn't say someone should do this. No. Oh, okay. You talked about your concept of you know we really need something that's more pandemic related. Right. Yes. Remember? I remember talking about that. And yes. I said, Ah, shut up, Kane. I know I wants to know about pandemics. We're sick to death of pandemics too at the early. moment. Yeah. Too okay. early. Yeah. Yeah. It's too soon. Um. And I don't know what it was, but. I know what it was. Um, I had been listening to a couple of different podcasts that were talking around the um, Black Death right. in Europe. Yes. And you've previously talked about that whole period of time. Well, I did. I did, a, I did that. My initial tilt at that was the um, the um, Mongolian one. Yeah. You have a whole heap of armies. Just everyone starts with too many armies, and everyone's yep. going to die. Yep. 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 So. This works, so, so, okay, in my mind, I'll talk about what I'm thinking. Okay. And then you can be, I'll be a good cop, you can be a bad cop, and you tell me what's wrong with it and how I can improve it. Devil's advocate. Yeah, that'll work too. So, taking a Europa Renovatio map. Okay, 38 players. Uh, we'll see how we go. Okay. So, I need to find, and I have found a couple of maps, which is a... Turning the Europa Renovatio period, which was, I don't know, 14 something? 1450. Okay. 1450, yes. I know that because it's just like the year before the fall of Constantinople. Yes. Yes. I thought it was 1452. 1451. 1451, I think. Anyway, I'll I'll, I'll take your word on this. Okay, all right. Thank you, history professor. 100 years before. So, I see where you're going with this. So, keep going. Take the Europa Renovatio map. Yeah. Use that as the basis. So it's already all the coding's already been done. Are you going to change we, any territories around? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then look. Okay, go go back a hundred and ten years, roughly, maybe a hundred years, probably a hundred and ten years, to the starting period of Just the Black Death. The Black Death. Or at the very beginning of it. Okay. Okay. So some. Countries will cease to exist, obviously, because things move on. Some will be new. Some will change in size and shape. Not that many to be really... No, no, that's right. No, there won't be a lot of change. You're right. There'll be some a little bit of tweaking. I've looked at the maps. I'd say probably about 70, 80% of the countries are, give or take, roughly what they are in Europe or Renovatio. You'd have to redraw, like, the... The thick lines. black lines. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's that's yeah. going to be the that's going to be the real bitch. Um, but the good thing about that map is there's only one there's only one large map. There's not like a, comp- a complementary small map, so you only have to do it once. 
Yes, which makes it easier. Yes, it does. I um, do love that about it. That, that, that's, that, you know, from the point of view of developing variants, if you have a large variant idea, like back in the day, yep. you were stuck by how wide and how high you could make it. Yep. Yeah, but now... Which is why your Mongolian map was developed years ago and it's vertical yeah, instead yeah. of horizontal. It's like squished and I've lost a lot of that, you know, things I want to put in that. But I love that idea that you can sort of move it around in in the web browser. Yep. Anyway, go on. So you, you remember with um, your open renovatio to kind of keep the game balanced, Yep. all players... Give or take maybe one or two supply centres have the same amount of supply centres at the start. So you usually yeah. find the um, the coding has been done that you get those um, neutrals, sorry, supply centres which are look visually to be notionally controlled by you, but, but you don't they don't them. actually, you don't yeah. own them, they don't yeah. count towards yeah. your SC account, you've got to capture them first. And I thought that's a really good analogy for the very beginnings of the of Black Death, where maybe these supply centres you no longer own because all the population pretty much been killed off. Okay. Yep. So because there's no one there, nothing's being produced, so you can't build anything. So that uh-huh. makes a good correlation. So you don't have to kind. Of, so you can keep the whole balance concept between the powers going. Yep. Okay. Cool. Would you colour the territories like black? No, no, I'll keep it the way it is, maybe. Just just for the beginning, just keep it the way it is. Keep it, keep it easy. Yeah, but you could colour those territories like like a dark grey to, to show that they've been hit by the plague. Yeah, yeah okay. Just as a thought. Okay, so... Um, uh, I'm, I'm open to that idea. We'll just have to look at a... a colour. Maybe the black. It's the black death. Because... Um, I oh, know, but if they're black, then that kind of fucks up your ability to see what the actual text is around them. Yeah, like a deep grey, or oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, it doesn't work. What about um, like a like a dirty brown? Like yeah, maybe dirty brown, maybe dirty. The idea being, obviously, you need to make sure you don't have too much of a crossover with a player's colour. Yeah, of course. Anyway. Yeah, whatever colour it happens. And anyway, either way, I was originally thinking of just keeping it simple at the beginning yep. and just. Box standard, just notionally it's your territory, but you don't actually control Black it. Death is Black Death is kind of devastating. Yep. Yep. So, set, set 110 years earlier, you know, at the moment you're going, yeah, okay, doesn't sound difficult. Box standard diplomacy map. But, what I wanted to try to do was use the code that Oliver develop, Ollie developed for the Pirates variant, for the Hurricane, yes. which is a and, and look, I know some diplomacy purists will go, well, won't like this because it does introduce a certain amount of randomness. randomness okay? yep. um, but it also, for those of us who love history, it produces a certain amount of accuracy to, yeah, to the okay. gameplay. Yep, yep, yep. So taking the code of the hurricane, which in Pirates is a non-playing player... Yep. Which moves at random. Moves at random. It's got a power of like 10. Um, moves, but, but not only moves at random, but, but spawns randomly on the board. Yep. Has a power of 10, so no one can actually kill it. Yeah. So it overpowers everything. And wherever it lands in August, sorry, August, autumn, fall. Yeah. Which takes me back to that video. <laughs> oh. Fall. Yeah, August. Um, autumn. Autumn. Yeah. Yep. Um, 
So basically, it, it, it destroys a supply centre. Effectively, it takes over a supply centre as a non-plane neutral. Yeah. If it happens, or alternatively, destroys the unit. You know what I mean? If it's just a unit in a territory. Yeah. So the idea behind this is to start maybe with, and again, coding will come in. I need Ollie's help. But maybe at the very beginning, it starts with just one black death instance, a little pocket of initial black death opening up somewhere on the board. And then that moves somewhere on the board come autumn or fall. Then the next year, there's the two pockets. And as we've seen with coronavirus, then there comes four pockets of black death the following year. Then eight pockets. And eventually it gets to a point where maybe we're at 12, 16, because there's so many units and everything on the map, that it then peaks and it starts falling off and then, you know, slowly drops off, actually quickly drops off, and then the cycle begins again, which is actually what happened with the Black Death. What about this? What about having, like we're talking about the coloured idea of colouring the territories black, for want of a better term, we'll just call it um, like poo brown. Yep, poo brown, yep. Poo brown for plague affected, right? And in spring... Each plague-affected territory has a 50-50 chance of spawning plague. Oh, look, ideally, I'd love and that, but I, that really comes down to... That, that's, that's not only just picking up code and repurposing it, that's then changing the code. No, no, it isn't. It's like saying, OK, there's a hurricane piece yep. that gets born every spring on a poo-brown territory, a plague-affected territory. Right. Every plague-affected territory has a 50-50 you know, or a 30-70 chance of spawning. Okay. Right? Yep. And in or autumn... Double spawning. Yeah, in autumn, that plague moves to a random adjacent territory. Which actually is more reflective then, of the way that the, the virus yeah, spreads. Which then changes that territory's colour. Yep. Right? And then the cycle... Then the plague dies. Then the next spring, every plague ah, yep. reborn, like it's a 30 70 chance, or 50 50 chance of it being reborn in every plague affected territory. So, what the players have to do is not only fight each other, but they have to colour the territories safe. They've, 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 they've taken over the territory and they've quarantined that territory yep. from plague infection. 14th century quarantine, yep. Yeah, slaughter. <laughs> yeah, but the, you know, they've, they've conquered it. You know, I, I see from the point of view of coding, right, instead of saying, okay, there's eight different random spots where plague gets born, yep, and then it just sort of multiplies four turns and then dies down. Yep. Each four turns, you're going to have to then spawn a random set of adjacent plague units from that, and that just will become quite chaotic. Whereas, from the point of view of saying, okay, we know how to code a hurricane unit, Let, let's put that hurricane unit with a, you know, a play symbol and say, okay, that, that has a lifespan of two seasons. Yep. Born in spring, dies in autumn. But wherever it goes, it's going to devastate whatever unit it happens to move to. It could move exponentially, depending on how players cooperate around the play. Or it could die down depending on how players cooperate. So how would okay? So I'm, maybe I'm missing something because maybe the the wine's starting to go out of my head. So how do the players cooperate 
to stop the plague. Right, so... No, feel free to... Yep, go for yep, it. Yep, 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 yep. So, Kate has picked up the pen, he's drawing on the Ambi notepad. So we've got a fish-scale so territory. Here is, you know, here's where the plague's born, right? So we have a, a, a territory where it's got the plague beginning. It's like in the middle of a, I don't know, random... Five, six. Five, 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 five things all around, right? five territories around it on different borders, yep. The random spawning rate, you know, is 50-50 for one, you yep. know? So it's got one in two chance of it spawning additional plague unit. Yep. Right? If the plague unit is spawned, then it moves to a random territory. Right. Right? And so if it's not spawned? If it's not spawned, nothing happens. It just stays that one territory. It doesn't color. die out? No, it just stays that territory. Ah, okay. No one owns the territory. It's just that... Cut. Okay, so the, 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 the plague owns that territory. But how does the plague die out? Well, player A, who happens to be yellow, yep. moves into that territory and controls it in autumn, turning that territory yellow. In which case, the plague's not there anymore. Exactly. Right? But you're starting the game with all of this territory plague affected. No, 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 no. I see it working the other way around. I see the inverse. I kind of see pockets of plague breaking out. Yeah. And originally, I, I, I was just working on the basis of this is random thing popping around. But I like your idea of maybe... So, let's say it, it kind of spawns somewhere... Spawns here in whatever that, that territory is in the um, the west for you. Moves to here. Yep. And in autumn, it kills off that supply centre or whatever like that. takes it over. Then there's a 50-50 chance that it kind of continues and then moves somewhere else randomly. Okay, yeah, yeah, I see where you're thinking okay. about that too. But, but at the same like time, that. another area up here will then randomly spawn. You know what I mean? And then moves out, yeah. And then moves out. But then you're starting to sort of get into like historical bias. Like, are you going to preference coastal territories? No, look, I, and this is, this is probably the one case. This is one thing that I probably would... Um, more on the side of gameplay balance than historical accuracy. So I think I think you do need that ability to make sure that not everybody is being affected all at once. Sorry, refresh that. Not not everybody who would be historically affected is affected all at once. Could you um Yeah, so that, that comes back to mind. Like if you have like you could do it like almost post-plague, post-first, post, post-first wave of the Black Death in Europe. Yeah. It's gone through. It's ravaged, ravaged Ravenna. It's ravaged Marseille. It's gone through Aragon. No, no, but, blah, but blah, historically, blah, blah, it should blah. actually start somewhere like in in like Syria or Egypt, and then slowly make its way around the Mediterranean, and then go through everywhere else. But yeah. that that is going to be that's going to disadvantage all those players who start getting hit first. Well, that's so the other is, thing. This like, is why you I actually... think it needs to be like a random thing. So, randomly, even though it makes no sense, it may may, may start off in you know the well, Teutonic Knights states. You know what I mean? It disadvantages players if they don't know what's going to happen, right? But if you set it up so they know that it's going to happen in a certain order, you assume what? In a certain order. Oh yeah. Right. So you say, okay, the first outbreak of the plague, which is the first three-year cycle starts in Genoa and um, Egypt 
Right. Or do you not, not even, maybe you don't even do this 50-50 thing. Maybe you go, okay, this plague thing is going to last three years. Three years, and it's this is where start, it's going to start It's going to start in Genoa, and eventually it's going to make its way up to Switzerland. No, no, it's going to go, it's going to go for three years, like, adjacent to whatever, you know, territories those areas are. And then after three years, it's going to then hit Naples. So you know that in... And then it's going to spread in Naples and Marseille. And then in three years, so you can sort of... Your, your northern territories, England, your low countries, Scandinavia, yeah. right? They could do quite well in the early part of the game whilst these eastern countries are struggling with the plague, right? But the plague's going to get to those northern countries and it's going to devastate them whilst the eastern countries have the opportunity to fight up supply centres from the devastation of the plague. So it evens out. I like what you I like what you're saying. I think the um, the trouble will be the ability to Doing plug in. Yeah. No, it's actually more to do with the fact of can I get Ollie's time? You know what I mean? Because yeah. he's a busy guy. We're really kind of dependent on him as the uber master of the uh, of V diplomacy and looking after all these things. And a couple other really good coders there, like Toby One's a really good coder. Yeah, yeah I think, I think Toby One was the one who kind of initially kind of said, oh, blah, blah, blah. I might talk to Toby around this because I I want to do something that is achievable. Yeah. But I don't want to do something that's fantastic with you know, what you're saying, but it's going to just take too much time to code and will just piss people off. I'd rather do something that we can achieve with my, either the existing yeah. code or a slight modification to the code. To my knowledge... The Pirates variant that you authored, that you created, is the only variant that has a third unit. A non-playing player. Which happens to be an NPC, yeah. Yeah. But it's the only only variant that actually has a third unit type. No, 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 it's not a third unit. It's it's a similar, I think it's technically a one of the two units. It just uses some of the code from, fuck, is it the Hong Kong variant? There's some variant that's got maybe it's Canton, maybe something else, some 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 Asian variant where the British player in Hong Kong is got example it might be an army or a fleet or whatever, but it's double or triple strength compared to everyone else. No, you're talking about the um, the Netherlands variant where the Spanish player has a supply centre. Am I? I yeah, you are. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so in other words, it's it's still two units, but there's some pokery degree with the code. Yeah, but but for all intents and purposes, right? It visually looks different, it acts different, and it is. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't, you don't actually the stuffing like, around. Like the in Paris, it doesn't look like a clipper. It doesn't look like a frigate. It looks like a, a, a hurricane. A hurricane. Symbol. Yeah. And I kind of must admit. I don't know with this one whether you have like a what what, what, do you, what do you what do you think the image should be for that unit that moves around as the Black Death? Oh, okay. Um, well, okay. When you started telling me about this variant, my mind sort of went to the um, you know the anthrax symbol, skull and crossbones. No, no, the, like oh. the three. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Um, then it went to the skull and crossbones, but then. Given the age appropriateness, it would have to be something out of Hieronymus Bosch. What? You know, Hieronymus Bosch. What's that? It'd have to be. Oh, he's a famous painter. Oh, you know, okay. Like, like it like have to be like a, some sort of like 
anthropomorphized symbol of the devil of, of, of death with the scythe and the cow and oh. it'd have to be it'd have to be I, mean, so can't... I, I thought of a rat well that's us knowing it now but back then they yeah that's yeah. true yeah. if you're going to make it historical here I'll pull up Hieronymus Bosch for you you'd, you'd know him you'd, 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 you'd know him for sure um, but he he Hieronymus Bosch. You're very cultured, Kana. Oh, on certain things. Um, Maybe you should write Hieronymus Bosch. Um, uh, death. Yeah, so it'd have to be it'd have to be one of these characters out of one of his last judgments or. Black, sorry, no, the Grim Reaper. Could you just do like a very basic Grim Reaper, you know, gift? Yeah, that's like, it's got to be the Grim Reaper. Problem with iPads is I just don't know how to open up so something can. Oh, yeah, okay. it's, it's really hard. You kind of just oh, click on it and it just happens. It's really just so difficult to comprehend. <laughs> make, make something that <laughs> idiots can use and only idiots are going to use it. Oh. <laughs> anyway, fuck it. You know, you guys can look up the rotters. Yeah, fuck you all. No, just kidding. <laughs> we love you. Okay. Um, yeah. So let's see. Let's see how that one goes. Good. Good suggestion about Toby, and good suggestion about all the uh, the stuff here. Agree. All right, Toby down. So later on, when I'm not drunk, I'll go remember that. What's oh. that say? What's that? I say, I can't even read my own writing. I can't read my own writing. Why can't you literally can't? You have to. Cody. <laughs> you know. Oh, okay, that's, that's come I, full I, circle. I could have been a doctor, you know, except for the fact I don't like, you know, the sort of blood. Hey, shall we wrap it up and do the Patreon recording? That sounds like a fantastic idea. Uh, thank you, dear listeners. Thank you for dear listeners. If you um, want to listen to any of the Patreon stuff, we're getting quite a back collection of that now. Yeah? How many have we got here? No. 12, 11, 12, 13, Jump on. Jump on. There's like there's like hours and hours of extra bonus entertainment there. Listen to, you know, drunk Aussies slur there. They'll get more and more slurry. That's right. We, um, most times we're more slurry. Yes, most times. Okay, well, I'm, right. uh, I'm Ambie. I'm Kana, and we've... Um, join us on Stitcher, iTunes... Wherever good podcasts are recorded. Absolutely. Love you all. Bye. See ya.